I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Smetty here. Don't tell me what to do. Back off. Welcome to another edition of Golick and Smetty. I am Mike Golick Sr. She is Jess Smetana. And we are oh so close, Jess, to heading back to our alma mater and doing a live show there. I mean, I, I, I had done one before. I don't know if you have ever done a live show back at Notre Dame. Again, I am an 85 grad of Notre Dame. Jess is a 2016 grad of Notre Dame. We're doing our show live from O'Rourke's on um, October 14th, the day before the Stanford game, 7.30 p.m. at O'Rourke's, which is right across the street from campus. All are welcome. We're looking to load up some guests. But I'm wondering, Jess, I know you've tailgated there and partied there. Have you ever done, gone back and been able to do a live show there? No, there's a lot of firsts happening this weekend for me in Notre Dame. And, and like, I should... I should toot my own horn a little bit, Mike. I've done live shows. We had a South by Southwest live show this year for the Levitard show. Right. This is not my first live show rodeo. However, yes, first time going back to Notre Dame to do it. And um, I'm, I'm being interviewed by some prospective students on Friday because for some reason they want to do what I do. So that's very bizarre. Um, we have the show at O'Rourke's, um, our, our DraftKings friends, our producer Drew is now saying he wants to do some more stuff with me at Notre Dame. Um, it, it's really just bizarre because I graduated, I don't know, not that long ago. And now I feel like I'm getting a hero's welcome when I come back. It, and Mike, I, I don't know how to process this. Well, you should, you, you're, see now when I was there when I graduated in 85, there was no communications. There was no FTT film, television, theater. There was nothing. You know, one of the most famous that went into broadcasting, she was two years ahead of me, was Hannah Storm. And yeah. so, obviously, she was my teammate. Well, and Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> that was bef- way before me. Um, <laughs> okay, I figured you guys might be around the same age. Right. Uh, stop it, Jess. Just stop <laughs> it. Uh, Hannah and I, like I said, she was two years ahead of me. And like I said, there was no no journalism, no communications, no FTT, nothing then. She grinded to try and be part of anything that had to do with sports there. And obviously it turned into be an unbelievably successful career for her. I never, so I never studied this and I never knew I was getting into it. And, you know, I fell kind of ass, ass over tea kettle into it. You, did you, were you FTT major? I was, yeah. So and you, I knew, Mike, I've always known I wanted to work in sports, so, so this so, isn't, you know. Well, well so this is what I me. mean. This is why you should get this type of a welcome, because now 
you know, uh, FTT is very popular. The Fighting Irish Media is incredibly popular. You know, we know all schools have great programs now. And all the, the young men and women doing this at Notre Dame want to be you. They're, they're past mm. me. I'm so much, I, I could be their grandfather or their father or grandfather. <laughs> so so th- they look at me as a, as a distant, like, oh, yeah, he did it way long time ago. You're right in the wheelhouse. You're, you've started your career. You're incredibly successful and on a trajectory of continuing to go up. So they want to be you. So that's why you should be talking to <laughs> them. And, and, and That's very flattering. But, I, but it's Mike, true. I just, but, but what advice do I give? Like, tweet about the butt fumble until someone hires you? Because I feel like that's how I basically got all of my jobs in sports media. And that's not great advice. So here's the thing. You just said it. All your jobs. You've done different things, right? Mm-hmm. So that that was what – and I said – I did this, and I said this to Mike, who – now Mike was a 13 grad, 12, 13 grad. You were 16, so he's not that much older than you. And I told Mike is do everything. Do everything. And if somebody asks you, can you do it, say yeah. This is what I did. I said yes and figured it out, right? Uh, <laughs> that I, I is did. the truth, yes. I, without, <laughs> so that and, – and what I say to young people now, because – you have access basically to a microphone or a blog or anything nowadays from when I started this to where you are now is get reps. You can get reps anywhere. So get the reps, whether you're turning down the TV like they did old school when, when my era was coming up. Guys used to just turn down the TV, not 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 former players, but people wanted to do play-by-play. If they couldn't get reps somewhere, they turned down the TV and practiced. Now, hell, everybody can have a podcast or you can do a write or something so you can get reps. So that's what I tell mm-hmm. them all. Get reps. There's tons of different things to do. Do them all, you know, and make connections the, the, the best way that you can. You'll figure out what to say. You know what to it's say. It's a good pep talk. Yeah, yeah no, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. I do, I do want to sound like I'm still, like, you know, hip and cool and, like, with the time. So maybe I'll suggest that – the students should start a podcast like in the metaverse or something. There you go. See, you can still sound hip and cool. I would be. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I would, but, but it doesn't matter. Here's what I say. You know, when people say, oh man, what you said about this or what that, I said, sometimes it's just bull- bullshit with conviction. Just say Absolutely. it like you mean it. Say it like That's you the... mean it. Mike, that's the Stugat School of Broadcasting right yep. there. Bullshit like you mean it. That's exactly right. So I, I'm happy you're doing all that stuff. You should be doing all that stuff because in all honesty, you are – people will say, oh, go look, you're in the Hall of Fame or this, you've been doing it for – it doesn't matter. You are you are the role model for the group coming up because you are you are not long out of it and you are highly successful. So I'm I'm happy you're doing all that. I think that's a great thing that you are. Uh, and a great role model for the for the young men and women. So we're we're looking forward to it. O'Rourke's we we know will be packed anyway. We we set ourselves up to succeed, right? Because yes. we're going to a place that was going to be packed anyway. We 100%. may we may just be annoying everybody. They're like, "Will you guys shut the <laughs> hell up?" You know, we're we're trying to yep. listen to music or, or whatever, and uh, we're just getting in their way. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. We're trying to get a a few guests. There is the. My brother Bob was part of the 1977 national championship team. Their reunion is Stanford weekend, so there may be some players there. 
uh, from that era that uh, you weren't born yet, Jess, but uh, mm-hmm. some of the great players from the past. My so, parents uh, were barely born yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but that's all right. Just you know, you know, Notre it. Dame fans. Notre Dame fans love history and nostalgia yep. tradition. So. We're going to probably have a little bit of everything yeah. on the show on Friday. And people can listen to it on the DraftKings Sportsbook uh, Twitter profile page. It will be streaming there. And then we will probably be uploading it into our feed, I imagine, over the weekend, if not next week. Right. So if you don't uh, have the ability to make it to the show, you can listen to it there. Yeah, that'll be We are really, really looking forward to it. Hopefully this is the first of more than a few that we're able to do on the road. But again, we picked an easy one back to our alma mater and to a guaranteed packed house. So uh, we're not stupid. We, 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 we understand how this game is played. And Mike, Notre Dame is coming off of an impressive win in Las Vegas over a ranked BYU team. And I know you were at the game and I want to yeah. hear about what that experience was like because the atmosphere at the game looked awesome. It looked the Allegiant Stadium, the new stadium in Vegas looked amazing. So I want to hear all about that. But first, I want to ask you, and maybe your perspective of this is different because you were there, but did it not seem like this game didn't really get a whole lot of buzz from anyone after the fact or, or during the fact? It felt like the entire college football world was watching Texas A&M and Alabama and Notre Dame just kind of, you know, beat the number well, 16 team in the country and moved on. Well, I mean, I'll look at it this way. Where we were, it was everything, which which I'll get into. But nationally, I can understand it. Notre Dame only plays to get into the playoffs because they're not in a conference. And they're already basically – they're out of that, right? They're, they're, it's mm-hmm. We're into week four and five, and they're out of that conversation. BYU is, is you know, no disrespect for BYU, but, you know, it's a, it's a good school, but it's not a national – oh, God, must see, you know, this isn't Notre Dame-USC. Even when USC isn't ranked like they are now, Notre Dame-USC still creates buzz. Notre Dame-BYU wasn't going to do that, and, and I think mainly because Notre Dame is out of the uh, the national championship scene. So I think nationally and the shows-wise, they're not going to really touch on it a lot because of that. Now it's all about how much is Notre Dame improving under Marcus Freeman's first year as they're getting better each week. And that's what they're doing. They had just about 500 yards of offense again. This game got closer than it should have been. That's the one thing that, and this year we're going to deal with, Notre Dame uh, uh, players, uh, coaches, fans, you're going to deal with, is the game sometimes will be closer than they should be. This one, we we've, we were doubled them up on time of possession, doubled them up on yards. Michael Mayer was, was catching everything. I can't believe how he was they were, wide open. Well, I can't believe how they were covering him or trying to cover him. It was, it was not uh, covering was him crazy what, what they were doing or, or not doing. So, I mean, it was, it was a domination and the run game was going well. And then a couple of big plays, you know, a couple of big plays. And that's, that's what can happen, and all of a sudden they're back in the game, you know, until we stop them on a fourth down and are able to, to run the clock out. But, but we're looking better and better. Again, remember, it's a backup quarterback. The line's progressing each week. Uh, wide receivers are styles. You know, it seems to be the guy stepping up the most, but Michael Mayer is, is basically everything. The running back by committee is working well. Defensively, they look really good at times, and unfortunately, they miss tackles or give up big plays at times. So that's that's a, that's a game that's going back and forth there. But they're getting better, you know, which which is a good thing because again, listen, we have some other hard games coming. Syracuse is freaking undefeated. I mean, and they're ranked. BYU was ranked. I mean, we should beat these teams. I do believe, but 
I'm hoping the improvement keeps going by the time we get to Clemson in a few weeks and then obviously USC at the end of the year. But the atmosphere there, Jess, was phenomenal because we were there uh, the day before and, I mean, walking the strip and it was either Notre Dame fans or BYU fans. And everybody was cool with everybody else. You know, you're not talking about a fan base in Notre Dame or BYU where there's a lot of in-your-face, you know, where everybody <laughs> everybody's talking shit to each other. Uh, so it was it was really – and there was a lot of them everywhere. So – and the stadium, Allegiant Stadium, where the Raiders play, is beautiful. So it was a great experience. We, we got the win. We should have gotten the win. Again, it got closer than it should have gotten – so all went good except for uh, the gambling. Um, mm. Got absolutely – me and my wife got smoked. She plays slots. I was playing blackjack, and uh, that part of it did not go well. Uh, but Notre Dame <laughs> got the win, so that we're just resting everything on that. Yeah. Well, my favorite part of the game, actually, you probably also didn't see, but you you probably have seen it, Mike, which is the commercial that you're in that now runs during Notre Dame home games. Right. Uh, where you're riding your, your scooter. Scooter, through, the fatty scooter. The, yeah, through the campus of, of South and South Bend. Mike, um, I can't tell you how much joy it brought me to see that commercial because there's one camera shot like facing up at you while yeah. your hands are. I on saw the, you tweet that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike, it was amazing. It's a great commercial. I, I was very happy to see it. Yeah, we were, I was happy about that. You know, we have our Golic Family Foundation where we raise money with our golf tournament and Credit Union One, which handles all the Notre Dame athletics accounts teamed up with us um, to help raise more money. So it was a very cool thing that they did, and I shot a commercial for them, and uh, it was fun. But that fatty scooter is, <laughs> I got to ride it into the bank, I mean, into the credit union. It was really, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then and then one of the kids showed me your tweet, and then I looked, I saw, oh, yeah, yeah, way to go, Jess, mm-hmm. tweeting me with the camera looking was, right up into my face. It was pretty solid, Mike. So uh, the, the biggest game probably from the weekend was Alabama and Texas A&M, which happened to be on at the same time as the Notre Dame game. So I didn't get to watch the full game. However, the final play of the game, uh, much much scrutiny on yes. Jimbo Fisher's play calling with that final play. Texas A&M had the ball with the chance to win the game, needed a touchdown. They were in, uh, I, I would say, like within five yards of the end zone. Um, and the play calling, Mike, what did, what did you see from that play call? Oh, there was a horrific play call. I mean, you saw a couple of end-of-the-game <laughs> play calls you know, where you're on the two-yard line, and I forgot what other game it was, two-yard line, you throw a one-yard pass to the sideline. I mean, not even in the end zone. And then the, the, the Miami the Miami quarterback did that against North Carolina on Saturday, oh too. My that, God. I don't know if that's what you're referring to. It, it might have been, but you just look at some of these calls. and you just, So this is twice now, Alabama. One time when they were on offense, and Texas missed a big play, a, a sackable play, where mm-hmm. Bryce Young got out of that, escaped it. And Alabama ended up getting the win. That sack happens. Texas probably wins that game. And then on the other side of the ball, Texas A&M has the ball and Alabama is on defense. And you get that horrific call. I thought this game was going to be a blowout. Texas A&M has not had a great year, but uh, we know they beat Alabama last year. And they got up for this game. And Alabama, hell, Alabama dropped two spots. Remember, they were two. Last week jumped up to one over Georgia because Georgia just barely got by Missouri. And then after this game, Bama dropped to three. Georgia back to one, Ohio State to two, and Bama to three. 
they'll just interchange all year. Yeah. Uh, throw until cr- they until they inevitably play each other. Although exactly. this weekend, Mike, Tennessee, number yes. six versus Alabama, number three. So last I checked, the spread was minus seven and a half Alabama on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, it seems like with that spread, Bryce Young will probably be playing, yeah, although he so. is a little banged up. So I, I don't know what to anticipate from this game because if Bryce Young plays, I think Alabama is – the better team, but it's at Tennessee and obviously the Tennessee crowd and the atmosphere will be in the game. And Tennessee's quarterback, Kendon Hooker has also been playing oh. really well this season. So what, what do you expect to see from this matchup? High, on high scoring game. I mean, Tennessee has scored 59, 34, 63, 38, but they put a 40 burger on LSU. So they have some big play hitters. Uh, you mentioned Hooker. I like him a lot. Uh, so there, there's going to be some points in this one. Hooker has not thrown an interception. Ten touchdowns, no interceptions at all. He's, he's run for three touchdowns as well. So, And this Alabama defense has given up some points. So I, I actually see a high-scoring game and the potential, absolutely, of Alabama to lose. That's the one thing, and I forgot what other, uh, I think it was God Bless Football with, with, with Stu and Billy. I was talking about it. And we were talking about it is while you have the big three, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, put them in whatever order you want, the gap between them and everybody else is closer. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I think it is to Clemson, to Michigan, to Tennessee, to USC. Oklahoma State is undefeated uh, as mm-hmm. well. So I think the gap is closer, and you have more teams with it. This is a year I wish we already had the expanded playoffs. Because yeah. a lot of really good teams are going to be left out of the Final Four if they keep going the way they're going. Now, we'll see. Some may, some conferences may start beating each other up. But I, I see this year teams a lot closer to the top teams than we've seen in the past. Yeah, it seems like a season where I think there's a definite top tier in in Georgia and probably Ohio State. And then Alabama, you know, depending if they can stay healthy. And obviously, injuries are part of the game, so right. it's, it's not a huge caveat. But if they can stay healthy, I think they're in that tier. But if not, I think you're right. I think there is a lot of parity among the, the number two tier of the teams that are now battling for probably the third and fourth spot in the playoffs. However, like you said, I mean, the way the schedules are set up, there's going to be more conference play now towards the end of the season, more yeah. rivalry games, more teams facing off against top teams. Um, you know, Michigan, uh, the first half of their schedule has been pretty simple. I mean, they started the season with – I think Hawaii, uh, Colorado State, and UConn were their first three games. So, you know, I'm interested to see them play against – well, Michigan State's bad, but they're a rival at least at Penn well, State this weekend. This week, and... well, well, you look at this weekend, it's the second time in college football history there are three matchup of teams 5-0 and or better on the same day. We, we just mentioned the one, Michigan, Penn State. Michigan is 5, Penn State is 10. Oklahoma State and TCU. Oklahoma State is 8, TCU is 13. Actually, Mike's calling that game, uh, my son Mike. And then we talked about a Bama. some good games this season. Yeah, he really has. Then he has Bama and Tennessee. Uh, again, Bama is 3 and Tennessee is 6. That's the game of the week for sure. So mm-hmm. you'll see some, some movement after wins and losses in this one. So uh, I'm excited that conference play is now going on. Again, you may see teams start to beat each other up. Uh, we have a number of undefeateds. That's going to end because these teams are all going to start playing one another. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, so we're looking forward to that. You know, we'll get to see some of them, whatever the afternoon games are, unless you're out tailgating. Now, well, do you plan on tail? Now, the game, the Stanford game, 
Again, we do our show Friday night, 7.30 Eastern at O'Rourke's. The game is Saturday night, 7.30. You are a tailgate partier, so mm-hmm. I, I, when are you out? 10 in the Thank morning? How are you out there No, partying? I mean, for Whatever. a night game, mm-hmm. I'll probably sleep in a little bit. But no, Mike, I... So one of the things that I really loved about Clemson, if I if I can, you know, give Clemson some props for you, a second. You started here. there. Everybody should know. You started I went, your... I went to Clemson my right. freshman year. Right. And one of the things I loved about it was every single tailgate had a flat screen TV and they were playing the, you know, ESPN game, CBS game, whatever, while they were tailgating. Now, I think that that has become more popular yeah. in the tailgate lots at Notre Dame, but not to the extent of Clemson, where you literally could not turn around without watching a TV. And it was great because you just sit there for seven hours and watch TV outside and drink a beer. Um, so, yeah, ideally, I'd like to do both. So if, if you are uh, happen to be in the tailgate lots this weekend and you have a TV, Tweet at me your location. I will come watch the Tennessee-Alabama game. Um, see what I did there, Mike. Stugatz is strong in me. Because um, I think I think in an ideal world, you can you can do a little bit of both. You can tailgate and you can watch the games. Like I, I enjoy having a TV or a screen in front of me everywhere I go. Um, because, you know, I was born in the 90s and we're all addicted to ah. our phones. So, yeah, I'd like I'd like to do both, ideally. But I will be out there tailgating. I, I think it's supposed to be kind of cold, but, yeah. you know, we'll persevere. I'm used to the Miami 90-degree heat and humidity, but I brought a wool coat, so we'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like to watch both. So, Saturday, the high is 60, and the low that night is 37. So, we'll probably be in the 40s by the end of the game. So two things, I am not as much of a tailgater. I'll get too tired because I've never really tailgated <laughs> a lot. I'll, I'll be done. I'll, I'll be, I, I, I'd make it to the game for a quarter and then have to go home and lay on the couch. So I have to pick my spots where I'm going to tailgate. Two, I've never asked you this before. So you were at Clemson for one year, correct? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. at what point during that year did you realize what a mistake you made and that you had to get to Notre Dame? <laughs> um... That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I I applied to Notre Dame pretty early on into the first semester, I think. But I did really like Clemson, Mike. I wanted to go to a school with big uh, athletics and Clemson's football program. I mean, that was right before they got really good. Right. right. It was really fun. I mean, the stadium's fun. The tailgating's fun. Like I said, I, I enjoyed going to a little bit of a bigger school, but obviously had to go back to Notre Dame because that was kind of like where my parents went, it was closer to home, et cetera. Right. Wanted to do, you know, film and television. So um, I don't know, though. I, I really did like Clemson, I, I have to admit. Listen, Clemson's a good school. I mean, they went crazy with their new facility, but, uh, you know, with yeah. the slide and everything. But uh, <laughs> The slide. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Some no, lady I broke her leg on the, on the slide, oh, like yeah. on like the first day of the slide being yeah, open. Yeah. I just stay away from slides and jungle gyms. I think once you once you're – you know, in your 20s and 30s, those things are, are not built for you. So, and, and I wonder, before we move on to the NFL, and Mike has always said, that, either Mike or Jake, one of my sons has said this, there should always be a common sense person in a big meeting where ideas are thrown around. So when you mm. were in that meeting to build a new facility and somebody said, hey, let's put a slide where teenagers and young 20-somethings could be going down this slide. Uh, um, and once that idea was said, everybody needs to immediately turn to the common sense person to where the common sense <laughs> person would say, 
Are you fucking kidding me? Why would you do that? You're just inviting disaster. I mean, every everybody needs a common sense person at a meeting because what a ridiculous idea that was. What do you need a slide for? I feel like this common sense person could also just be like a personal liability attorney or yes, someone yes. who's going to be now, or an insurance uh, investigator, someone who's going to be fielding the claims yeah. when people inevitably get injured on the slide. It's like, I don't know about you, Mike, but when I was growing up, uh, I don't know if trampolines were invented yet when you were a kid, but oh, see, my parents you know, every always now and said... Then, every now and then you got to get a little shot in, and yes, they I'm were. Sorry, that was, I, I was actually pretty good on a trampoline. Go ahead, continue your story. I was just going to say, my parents always said that we couldn't get a trampoline because their insurance premiums would go up. And I thought that that was BS until I became an adult and realized that that's actually a thing that happens. Apparently, insurance uh-huh. companies will like go on Google Maps and find your house. And if you have a trampoline, they'll charge you more money because people get hurt on them all the time. Uh-huh. So my point is, like, who's Clemson's in- insurance provider and how are they not intercepting this yeah. slide idea before Agreed. it gets made? Agreed. And the trampoline know. is great when I was growing up as a kid. But as you get older... You start thinking, oh, like they have these trampoline parks. There's one right in South Bend where we're. Oh my God! Yes, drive, people and I'm just like, tear their Achilles on those every single day. I, I couldn't imagine. I would look down and my shit would be sideways. No. Yeah, <laughs> just just not doing it. When you're a kid, you don't care. You throw yourself anywhere because you're so pliable. But as an adult, I see adults <laughs> walking in there going, "You guys are screwed, man." I mean, what are you doing? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, speaking of pliable, that's a great segue to talk about Tom Brady because he was the subject of a very controversial roughing the passer call against the Falcons. Falcons had the chance to come back and win the game um, until this call, Mike. I know you you went on you went off about it on God Bless Football with oh. Stu Gatz and Billy, but but give us the Cliff's notes on uh, the roughing the passer calls this weekend. In the I NFL. mean, well, that one Grady Jarrett for the Falcons actually wrapped up Brady and. Grady Jarrett hit the ground first and basically just rolled over and brought Brady with him. And they threw the flag. And, and I literally was watching and I said, oh, man, I wonder if somebody was holding. And never in my mind was I thinking that was going to be a rough in the passer. I'm like, oh, I wonder what the flag was. You know, it was a you know, t- intense part of the game. As you said, the Falcons needed to stop. They're trying to come back. And they called roughing the passer. I I, I was speechless. And, I, and if anybody that follows me on Twitter – I mean, I'll tweet about these. I'll tweet about the targeting in college of how sick I am of a lot of this shit. And I was dumbfounded. Just to, And the ref tried to explain after the game, there is no explanation for that call 
I think it was Boger was the, the official in that mm-hmm. one. There is no explanation. He said when, when Jarrett rolled him over, he threw him into the ground, which is complete bullshit. It was, it was a joke of a call. And then it got, it got accented last night, or I should say the Monday night game, Chiefs and Raiders, which, by the way, the Raiders have been getting their asses kicked by the Chiefs the last few times they played. <laughs> the Raiders played really well last night, still lost by a point. But Chris Jones, just, just envision this in your head if you didn't see it, uh, had a rush where Derek Carr started moving up in the pocket. Jones came at him from behind. And Jones hit him and actually stripped the ball. And on the way down, Chris Jones actually got possession of the ball. The play wasn't even yeah. over. Chris Jones stripped the ball. It was an incredible play. It was an incredible play. Had possession of the ball, landed on Derek Carr. But as he was landing, he put his left arm out, which these D linemen are starting to do. So because you're not allowed to throw your full weight on the quarterback. So he put his left arm out to try and brace and not have his full weight go on him. And they threw the flag. I mean... I don't even know what to say anymore. And we'll get into what Troy Aikman said, uh, how, how much he felt about it. It was a horrific call. I mean, it's really getting to the point where the quick, the quick um, decision they made about the concussion protocol and changed the wording, they need to do this. And people may say, well, you can't compare roughing the passer to the concussion. Yes, you can, because it's changing out. It can change outcome of games. The, the the situation in the Monday night game that should have been the Chiefs ball, it gave the, the Raiders a ball, they kept possession, and they kicked the field goal. So that cost three points. Last I checked, you can win a game by three points. So it is absolutely <laughs> can affect outcomes of games. So the competition committee, somebody, they need to get together. They've already proven you can change something within a week. They just did it, right? They just did it with the concussion yeah. protocol. To change the stupidity of what they have going on with the roughing the passer and how they're calling it. Because it is a joke. And unfortunately, it led, Troy Aikman was doing the game. And I, and I loved it when Troy, because that's what you need. A guy like Troy, a Hall of Famer, a guy who's, you know, re- revered in the football world. To be saying how bad that is and how it needs change. And then, unfortunately, he, he what did he say? He said, we need to take the dresses off the quarterbacks or something like that. The Yeah, like the committee needs to take the dresses off. Yeah, yeah. it was it was misogynistic, Mike. I, he didn't need to say it. I saw, like, you know, of course, I'm, I'm always on social media. So I saw, like, a few reporters calling him out on it. And then it was, like, the whole thing unraveled into, like, every, every, everyone's so offended by everything. And, like, okay, yeah. yeah. Was it, was it like, the worst thing he could have said? Of course not. But you don't need to make comments like that where, like, I'm literally a woman. I'm just sitting at home watching the game, and I'm catching a stray because he's comparing, yeah. you know, the people on the c- committee to wearing dresses. Like, it's just stupid. You didn't ha- he didn't have to say it. I mean, he could have made his point without it. Um, and, yeah, you're right. Like, you, you want Troy Aikman's opinion because he's played the position, so he understands the importance of – protecting the quarterback but he also has you know he has he has good insight into it um according to uh reports the nfl will be discussing the roughing the passer calls this week in the uh uh new york owners meetings i guess in the next week so maybe they will they will decide that they are calling them too uh strictly as far as the brady one goes i want to go back to that for a second mike because what i thought was interesting was tom brady did like a little kick when he got sacked did you see that Oh, That's yeah. what I thought the penalty was going to be on. Going to be on him. He kind of kicked Brady yeah. Jarrett off of him, and you can't kick a guy, right? No, you cannot. No, you. Maybe if Tom Brady can. I don't know. But no, normally yeah. you're not allowed to kick a guy. 
Uh, so, so that that one was was definitely pretty egregious because it did look like Jarrett made the effort to not full fully land his body oh, weight yeah. on Brady. And then the one in the in the Chiefs game, the uh, referee uh, Carl Cheffers said after the game that Derek Carr gets full protection on all aspects of what we give the quarterback in a passing posture. So when he was tackled, my ruling was the defender landed on him with full body weight. The quarterback is protected from being tackled with full body weight. So he was claiming that it was a full body and weight. And he was wrong. He was wrong because it wasn't it full body weight. Yeah, it just didn't look like it was full body weight. No. It also was a strip sack. And so I thought that, you know, yep. the, him having one hand on the ball and one hand on the ground, I guess that doesn't matter according to the referee. He doubled well, down on it. He thought he made the right call. And then, Mike, I don't know if you noticed after that, the refs picked up a flag later in the game. Yeah, they and did. The, the head ref who was doing the announcement sounded like he was about to cry because I think the fans were, like, just losing swearing, their minds. They were losing, swearing, going crazy, yelling at the refs the whole game. It yeah, was wild. Yeah, you heard the chants very, very clearly. So I think one of the easy weight now, again, you hate adding time to a game because the one thing I'll say for a ref, sometimes he may miss, maybe he missed that arm coming out and just saw full body weight, review it. You should be able to review it. You know, you can review everything else. Review that yeah. and make sure, because it does have an effect. That's third down. You're off the field. Now it yeah. keeps that team with a first down. So you can't say, well, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal. It is that big of a deal. So find a way, whether it's telling rest to, to not be as quick to throw the flag or to review it, one of the two, because if you review that, because just what that ref said, he would have seen it was not full body weight. There's no way it can be full body weight when in one arm, Chris Jones is holding the ball and the other one his arm is out on the ground. So he's completely wrong in his interpretation of full body weight, unless he has a different definition of full body weight than I do. And real quickly on the Troy Aikman, as we were talking about before we started, started taping this, Listen, Troy is my age. We played against one another for years, and that was our era. And we know a lot of things were said in one era that aren't really acceptable in another era. You said that back when I was playing, and nobody batted an eye. Everybody was like, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Well, you know, everybody understood. And even now you understand the meaning. But as I said, you know, instead of read the room, read the century. You know, 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 <laughs> where, know where we are and just, you just, as, as we said, is it the most egregious thing in the world? No. But could he set it a different way? Easily. And what else happens is everybody now forgets what he was talking about and hones in on what he said, right? And right. now it's, oh, he shouldn't have said that. And what gets lost is the fact that this rule needs to be updated and or changed. So I would imagine we'll be getting the Troy Aikman apology uh, pretty soon about that one. Much like we got Devontae Adams, who apologized very quickly. Oh, my gosh. If, if anybody yeah. didn't see after that game... Devontae Adams had a pass. Listen, that was on him. He had a pass late in the game that would have put him in field goal position to possibly win the game. He caught it. The ball got loose from his hands a little bit, and by the time he secured it, his second foot was out of bounds. It was the absolute correct call. So they lose the game by one, and as he's running off the field, there's a cameraman kind of kind of cleaning up, would you say, picking up his gear, picking up like the tripod. I don't know if he was looking to set it up, but he wasn't aiming anything at Devontae Adams. He was just in his way, in Devontae's way. Mm-hmm. And Devontae was running in the tunnel and shoved the guy. I mean, just shoved him hard. Full I think the guy, the guy fell down. Yeah. And yeah. Devontae Adams almost immediately issued an apology. 
I have to believe he shoved him and within five seconds went, oh, shit, what did I just do? Yeah. You know, it was the not emotion great. of the moment. Yeah, that, that was not, not a great look for him at all. Yeah. Also, I, I pulled up the full Troy Aikman quote just so we have it right. He said, I hope that the competition committee looks at this during the set of meetings and we take the dresses off. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. like you said, and maybe he was doing his best, like, Howard Cosell impression or something yeah. like that. Again, um, back then uh, when Howard Cosell was, was doing games, <laughs> that would have been, nobody would have batted an eye. Nobody right. would have batted an right. eye. But but we're not in those times right now. Right. We're just not. Like I said, like I said before we started recording, Mike, women are allowed to wear pants now. So, <laughs> at least if you're going to be sexist, update your sexist terminology. Um, or just don't be sexist, obviously. Right, but, right. I, I I read that the um, uh, equipment person who Devontae Adams shoved did file a police report. He will, I'm sure, be winning some money in some sort of, again, with the liability lawyers. I mean, yeah. a, a great, if you're Saul Goodman and you're out there, yeah. um, you should nice. start repping well football programs because it seems like there's a lot of injuries happening and and lawsuits being filed i would imagine the league's gonna find him as well right i mean I think i'm the, sure he will be fine will be maybe even fine. suspended because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like if it that so happened to another for. player yeah yeah if that was another player i could see there being a suspension even but a non-player like you have to protect the people that make the tv you know Make the TV show. So it, it was pretty bad. And that guy deserves something who got shoved. I, I agree with that. But did you see? <laughs> NFL it, settlement money. It was the Rams game, right, where that guy ran onto the field. And it yes. was, was it was it um, Bobby Wagner that hit him? Yeah. I think it was Bobby Wagner that hit him. Did you see that that guy is suing Bobby yeah. Wagner? Kiss my ass, all right? Now, that guy better not get a damn dime or you're going to get a bunch of copycat people running right by football players on the field hoping a football player hits them. That guy yeah. that guy better get laughed out of court. It better not make court at all. You run on that field, you run in somebody else's field, man, you get what you deserve. Well, I'm so, okay, yeah, like I, I hear you. I also am like, maybe he didn't need to tackle him that hard. I also like I'm I'm very torn about this because it was very aggressive but also this man should not have been running on the no. field it was very stupid to do that and it kind of reminded me of the Formula 1 race at Silverstone this year where there were protesters oh, on the yeah. track oh. and luckily the 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 race got red flagged before the drivers reached where protesters were uh on the actual Formula 1 track and these these cars are going you know 200 miles an hour so one of these people could have been seriously injured um, and it kind of reminded me of that because I'm like, the, when you're getting in and you're interfering people playing a sport or doing something incredibly dangerous to begin with, like you, there has to be an assumption of risk there at, at least. But this guy ran on the field. Obviously, there was a yeah. play stoppage and maybe he was expecting a security guard to tackle him and not Bobby Wagner in full pads. And that's why he thinks he can yeah. get some money out of it. Don't, I don't go know. run I mean, by the sideline. Don't go run by the men on the field because you might get hit. Uh, so I, right. I got nothing for that guy. I got nothing <laughs> for him. Absolutely. And I, I, I swear to you, you know there are copycatters out there that if this yeah. guy gets money, if you're one of those morons, you're going to run on the field. Not only run on the field, you're going to run by a player and hope he hits you so you can collect your payday. So. Don't give this guy a damn thing. Yeah, couple, don't, don't, yeah. yeah don't do don't, don't run on the field during football games. The um, couple more things I want to finish on, on F1 because we have a champion there. But uh, real quickly, how are you feeling about your Steelers? 
God, they got their asses kicked. Okay, while we're talking about (laughs) roughing the passer, Mike, did you see the late hit on Kenny Pickett that led to a little scrum between Steelers players? Yes, I talked about it. I talked about it. There was nothing wrong with that play. Where where is the safety for Kenny Pickett? If we're going to call a penalty on Jarrett and on Chris Jones, I mean, come on. He was already sliding, Mike. Oh, wait, we might be talking about two different plays. I'm talking about the one where he was rolling right and running toward the sideline looking to throw, and and I, now I forgot the defend, defender um, who dove at him. Shit. I but was the, talking about the one where he, he was sliding and got hit by okay. another former pit player. All right, all right, I'm with you on that one. The, the sliding, I, I get with uh, – I understand that. And maybe it's like rookie quarterback, we don't care about you, which is which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing too. I meant more the one where Pickett got up and shoved the guy yeah. because when he was rolling right and the I, defender, I know which one you're talking about. The defender about. was running after – and the defender just dove and he thought the guy was going after his knee. Which he thought com- he – yeah, he thought he went low. Complete that was- bullshit. He was diving for him. If Pickett was in the pocket and this guy had a free rush and he went down low and hit him, I could completely understand it. This guy is running after Pickett and diving. When you dive, when you're farther away from somebody, you don't end up at his shoulders. You're going to end up lower when you're diving. So I had zero issue with that tackle. There should not have been a flag. I like Kenny Pickett. Look, I love the toughness and the grit of being pissed off. That's cool. That's fine. But it it should not have been a flag. Kenny Pickett actually showed like he had some yeah. like fight in him, despite the fact that they were down a yeah. billion points. I mean, Mike, the third play of the game, the Steelers defense backed the Bills up to the sec the two yard oh line, my I think. God. Yeah. Um Josh Allen throws a ninety eight yeah. yard pass to Unreal. Gabe Davis and yeah. like blows the doors off in the first quarter. I mean, the Steelers are really bad. They are uh, bad. But, but I might be yeah, go ahead. I might start coming around to your worst in the division take. Because oh, I are. think things seem like they are unraveling. They may they may be bottom three team in the league. Yeah. Um. It's just not. It's just not looking very good. Although I will say, I still really like Kenny Pickett. I don't think he did anything that makes me think they should be. If they do get like a number two pick next season, they should be drafting like C.J. Stroud or something like that. So but. so that's a great point because that's where I was going to go next. Even though they're going to be bad and they'll probably have a high pick. They have their quarterback. At least they think they do now. I agree with you. Kenny Pickett's going to be the guy going forward. He'll get at least another couple of years to decide that. But at least going into this draft with a higher pick, they do not have to get a quarterback. They can fill another hole that they're going to need, whether it's draft high, whether it's trade back and get multiple picks, whatever they want to do, they're going to be able to do without drafting a quarterback. So if you want to go glass half full, that's kind yeah. of I, and I that's just I'm a glass I'm a glass half full guy Mike um also glass half full they're probably not the worst team in the NFL the Panthers are probably the worst team Panthers in the NFL are. and they just fired Matt Rule um what what did you make of that firing and and like honestly what did you make of that hiring in the first place well, I always I'm, thought that was a weird fit th- this is what you get yes you get a guy successful in college right he went to Temple turns the program around he goes to Baylor uh, it was Baylor, right? Yeah, help turn, yeah. help turn the program around, and that's what an owner will see. I have a young team. I have a team that needs to kind of rebuild. He's turned around teams in college. Maybe he can do it here. And unfortunately, you could probably list on one hand really successful college coaches that have come into the NFL and been really successful NFL coaches. So Pete Carroll, like um, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, right? Uh, Jimmy Johnson won a title at Miami, and and then, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I mean, there's not, I guess that's why I say one hand you can count it on. So 
it's it's iffy. I would always lean toward a coordinator at the pro level, putting making them a head coach somewhere more than a head coach in college because it's such a different game. Not to say that it can't happen, but we don't have a lot of great sample size of yeah. or samples of it actually happening. One of the reasons they do it now. Now, even my wife was asking, she's like, why do they do it now? And one of the reasons you do it during the season at some point is you can't be officially looking for a new head coach while you still have a head coach. So as long as Matt yeah. Rule was their head coach, they couldn't be looking elsewhere. Now they can look elsewhere. They get the search committee, the whole deal. They can do all that. But then it's like, why in week five are you doing this? Now, the one thing we don't know, Jess, is how is the locker room? What's what's it like on the field in practice? What's the atmosphere? Is it just completely gone and do they have no faith in that rule where just for the sake of the rest of the year you needed to make a move and get him out of there so I'm guessing that's along the lines of what it was uh we usually see some coaches get fired during the year I think Ron Rivera is in a lot of trouble in Washington yeah if it's not during the season uh then it's going to be after the season but we did have our first firing in Matt Rule Mike was talking about this and coaches are a different breed because yeah. uh, we, we were all talking, and, and, and my, my wife, Chris, was like, what well, do you think he'll go back and coach college? I said, oh, he'll absolutely get an offer to go back to college. And Mike was like, he is getting paid. He has $40 more million coming. He said, I wouldn't be doing a thing. And that's why I said the coaches coaches are a different breed. It's crazy. They're Mike. nuts, you know? They, they want to <sighs> keep doing it. And plus, he's a young guy. But 40 yeah. mil. Oh, my God. First of all, yes, I can't fathom working. I can't fathom lifting a finger for the rest of yeah. my life if I got $40 million in the bank and they're paying me to not work. Are you yeah. kidding me? Second of all, I wonder if with this season and how many Power 5 college football coaches have been fired, it's interesting to see how that might be impacting some of the NFL coaching jobs too that are you know already hot seat guys when the season started and now are not doing well this early on. And you wonder if he'll go right back to college. You see a lot of these guys take a year off, go do the media for a year, and then jump mm-hmm. back in, and you wonder what he'll do. Because, again, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of coaching left in him, and I and I do believe he's going to coach. And let's also remember, Jess, that $40 million is really about $20 million after taxes. So, you know, you have to get by the $20 <laughs> okay, million. Okay. You, if <laughs> well, you're going to be okay nothing. with that? Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. <laughs> uh, couple of other quick notes, really. How about the New York teams? The Jets sitting there tied for second behind Buffalo. The Giants Crazy. sitting there tied uh, or, yeah, tied for second behind the Eagles. I mean, man, I mean, I guess the question is, who do you buy into more, the Jets or the Giants? I I was thinking the Giants were kind of getting lucky the first few weeks, but that win over the Packers yep. in London was pretty impressive, I have to say. And Daniel Jones is banged up, and even when he hasn't been playing well, because, you know, one of his, his biggest threats is his legs, right? And if he can't move well, then he's not really the quarterback that he could be. But even despite that, they they played really well, and Brian Dable was like super fired up after the game, and it was I'm, so was so was Sayla though. I think that was a twelve game uh, losing streak against the Dolphins that they snapped, or AFC maybe it was a twelve game AFC East division right, losing right. Sna- uh, losing streak. But um, he was pretty fired up because I mean, again, the Dolphins they're having all sorts of issues with quarterback and con- concussions, and no one knows when Tua will be back, and now Teddy Bridgewater has a concussion. So Skylar Thompson, a rookie seventh-round pick, was yeah. starting for them. But even even so, I mean, the Jets scored 40 points on on their defense, so that was pretty a pretty big win for the Jets. So, Mike, I don't know. I think I do like the Giants more. Um, 
But, you know, the Jets were having fun out there, too. I agree. Uh, the Giants, for two reasons. Um, overall, their offense is not putting up a ton of yards, and Daniel Jones is not passing for a lot. But they're second in the league running the ball at over yeah. 170 yards a game, and their defense is playing really well. So if your defense yeah. is playing well, you're, you're in every game. It, it, you're going to be in a game if your defense is playing well. Um, so I, I think they have that going for them. And again, like I said, an excellent running attack as well. Uh, so that can help you control the ball. Saquon Barkley is playing really well. So I'm going to buy into the Giants uh, just a little bit more uh, than the Jets right now. But, but but congrats to both of them. And and it seems the best division now, we were talking before the season, AFC West, forget them. It looks like the uh, the NFC East you know my old division outside of Washington. You got Philly <laughs> with five win, five and zero. Oh, Dallas and Giants four and one. And I'm doing that game this weekend. I'm going back to Philly nice. and doing the Dallas Philly game. So I'm really, really looking forward uh, to that. So uh, that's the big, the big matchup. I remember one year when I was playing in Philly. It was early in the year. We were both four and zero oh, playing a Monday nighter. So it was a really, really big game. And that I think that's kind of going to be the atmosphere. Uh, at the link come Sunday night. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward, definitely looking forward to that. All right, let's let's finish up with, uh, unless you have any more in NFL. No? Let's go oh, to Formula go- One. Yeah. There's a Formula One champion, Mike. Uh, in the weirdest possible fashion, it happened at probably 3.30 a.m. Eastern yeah. time. So most of the American fans that Formula One is trying to reach were probably asleep during this. But Max Verstappen won uh the driver's championship in the rain in japan he didn't know he won the broadcast didn't know he won the formula one uh social media team didn't know that he won um but he did win they told him and he was kind of confused and was like okay um so that happened (laughs) over the weekend in the most formula one fashion possible which is like confusing uh weird anticlimactic a little bit but still kind of fun uh, so yeah, congrats to the Verstappen and, and the Red Bull team. So I have a, a larger question about this, but one of the reasons again, or a couple of the reasons why I didn't know is I think it was Leclerc was in second at the end of this race and Sergio Perez was in third until there was a five second penalty administered to Leclerc and then he dropped yeah. the third and Perez went to second. There was also a red flag in this race, which stopped yeah. the race for a while and a lot of times, less points are given out if the race is stopped with a red flag. But the race resumed and finished like 45 minutes later. And so it did give full points. So Verstappen is your champ. But, but I guess the question is, how? what a bummer, right? I mean, don't you – I mean, in most sports, you know right then and there you're the champion of something, right? Whether you're winning a Grand Slam in tennis or golf in an individual sport like that – or a team yeah. sport, when that game ends, you know you're the champion. Here, I mean, he was actually asking the media, am I the champion? I'm hearing I'm not. I mean, that that I feel, I mean, listen, I don't want to feel too bad for the guy. It's his second right. championship in a row. He's the best driver in the world right now. But in that one moment where if he won the race, he knew, and there wasn't the five-second penalty, and we knew Perez took second, and he knew, boom, I'm the champion what a great celebration, but to have to wait, that, that that's a bit of a bummer. It was. It was really strange. Um, although this is more or less, 
I'm not the confusion, not the confusion about the reduced points and all of that because of the red flag. That that was a little strange, but more or less in Formula One, this is how drivers are crowned champion. They win a race towards the end of the season and find out, and then that's it. And then they race the final four or five races, right? And f- everyone figures out the rest. And so last season, when it came down to the final lap of the final race, and Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton were tied, and the, it was winner take all. That like never happens so this is a little bit more of like uh going back to how these things are usually decided although yeah like formula one if you could there's a lot of things you could criticize about the fia the governing body of of formula one and i think one of them is that there's a lot of confusion about race procedures about how points are awarded in races like this about you know when races can be stopped and started there was also a huge controversy this weekend about uh pierre gasly being on the track while there was a tractor removing um, a A car car. that was stalled so that was super that could have been dangerous yeah but he was driving too fast too as well he was driving too fast but still to not know not have the communication that there's a freaking crane yeah, <laughs> on the on the track removing a car, right? The fact that the 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 crane and the, or the tractor, whatever it was, was able to go on the track before all the drivers slowed down, I think, is what a lot of people are you know concerned about because it's a super dangerous sport. And there was a driver who was gravely injured on that very track less than ten years ago from a very similar situation. So that was really scary. But um, yeah, Mike, it was it was totally bizarre to wake up Sunday morning and see that Max had won, but just the lack of like pomp and circumstance. It's yeah. it's just a we- it's a weird sport sometimes, and stuff like this does happen. But um, there are four races left. They will be in the U.S. At, at the weekend after after next, or I guess after this weekend, the twenty twenty second and twenty third in Austin. In Austin, yeah. I believe I will be in attendance. Nice. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, it'll be to decide the rest of the the rest of the grid and the rest of the team's places in the team championship. Right. Um, because Verstappen will be essentially racing for for brownie points in that right. race. Right. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, next time we all talk, we'll be live at O'Rourke's again on October fourteenth on the campus of Notre Dame. Jess and I will be doing a live show there, and also. I am on my way now to have my first grandchild christened on campus here at Notre Dame. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah that's going to be cool. Uh, the godparents are my sons, Mike and Jay, uh, Mike and Sydney, which that poor kid, I mean, if Sydney has to take <laughs> care of that kid, I mean, there's a lot of trouble good, going on. Good luck to that kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's exactly Does right. The kid, so. Did the kids, uh, the kid gets like a, a, like a name, right? Like a Christian name. You know what? Like, I don't know what it name? is. And by the way, as I keep saying the kid, my, my wife gets so mad at me. I say Jackson is my, my grandchild, uh, Jake and okay, Jenny's first child. I was going to say like in the spirit of Gojo picking Darius as his confirmation yeah. name, maybe Michael, like Michael Mayer would be a good, oh, a good name for the baby. Good idea. Cause name. Jake was a tight end when he was here at Notre Dame. That, that there you I, go. I'm going to have to ask him cause I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't so, know uh, either. I might be getting confirmation and christening confused, but. You know, oh yeah, you're right. I'm not sure either. It's been a long time since <laughs> I was either. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. I don't remember yeah. my christening. No, no, I don't remember it, it, it at all. So, But I am looking forward to that. It'd be very cool. Yeah, so. yours was in black and white. Are we done? Sorry. Are, all are right, we, let's, are, let's yeah. go to remarks, Mike. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, whatever.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.